welcome to Bury the Lead. I'm one of your co-hosts, Winnipeg Free Press columnist Jen Zerati. And I'm your other co-host, Winnipeg Free Press music reporter, Aaron Labar. And we have a third co-host today. We are joined on Bury the Lead today by Kelly Thornton, who is the artistic director of Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre. She's also directing the opening show of the season. So she's going to be with us hosting the show. We're going to talk about the play. We're going to talk about her new role. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. And uh, we'll also close the show with uh, what we're reading, watching, and listening to. First, though, how was your week? How was your week, Kelly? Welcome. Welcome to the show. So happy to be here. Um, <laughs> how was my week? I just finished. So this is the uh, I'm on uh, the first day of the second week of my rehearsal mm-hmm. uh, of Bang Bang by Cat Sandler. Uh, so last week was the Fast and Furious first week of, of uh, getting that show on the road. Yeah, because uh, it, it opens October 2nd. Right? Uh, yeah, October yeah, 3rd, so, yeah. Or October 3rd, so it's coming Yeah, coming so up. It's, it's a Fast and Furious. Um, and the play itself is incredibly hilarious and very fast-moving. Cat Sandler's rhythms are, are, are super intense. That everyone's cutting each other off constantly and talking over each other. Um, so I was actually supposed to go to the National Arts Center Indigenous Theater opening uh, this past weekend, and so I was trying to kind of front load the week by getting it all blocked before I left town on Friday. Mm-hmm. And uh, after Tuesday's rehearsal, I was like, I cannot move at this pace. Uh, <laughs> so we rearranged it, and I didn't end up going to Indigenous Theater, and I spent the week with the actors, which it's really hard to leave a process in the first week, and sure. this play is, is challenging. So, But we had a great week. We, t- we staged the whole play. We're, awesome. we're ready to go. Well, I'm excited to yeah. talk to you more about that in our main mm-hmm. segment. Erin, how was your week? Um, I had my second golf lesson ever. It's, it was strange because I felt like I was regressing and I felt that my teacher also felt that I was regressing, which is like a type of disappointment that I just can't handle. So (laughs) it's, it was hard, but, and then he got me to use a bunch of different clubs. And then I decided that I only liked the first club that I learned. (laughs) He's like, well, you can't just use one club. And I'm like, I can do whatever I want, Steven. Like, you don't know what my mentality is right now, but then we did putting and I'm actually very good at putting. So that made me feel a lot better. That's good. Do you golf Kelly? No, I don't golf. No, I don't golf. Either. <laughs> I was like, Aaron, why do you need to golf? <laughs> well, as I mentioned last week, my my fiance, I mentioned it once, like very much in passing, that maybe I would possibly like to one day try golf. And he's like, this sounds like something that I should ha- make happen. Uh-huh. So he got me some golf lessons for my birthday. And I, I and it's something that we can do together that's not just watching Netflix or whatever. Yeah. Like you can go outside and be in the sun and... But I don't, I don't dislike it, but I just don't think I have the patience that it takes to become like a very good golfer. Yeah. I just want to be excellent right away, which is impossible. It's the, the driving. I, I don't know if I... Yeah. I, I'm good at mini, mini golf. <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember the last time I've ever done anything resembling golf, and it's been for, like probably mini golf as a child, I would say. Is yeah. The last I have time. a 12-year-old, so I'm, I'm, I go to the mini golf with, yeah, you, with her. Like, She's... Hit the mini golf. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a thing for her. Um, what did I do this week? Um, oh, I participated in this as a guest on a podcast, actually, over the weekend um, that a friend of mine is doing. It's called Let's Write a Song. And basically, he does like a quick interview and then you write a song over the course of the episode of the podcast. And I was like, okay, I'll do this if I don't have to sing. And then he made me sing. And I had to sing by myself a song that we wrote. Like, it, it was terrifying but I was glad that I did it but like I was just like that's not what I agreed to but 
I'm glad he pushed me to do it because it was actually really fun. But yeah, it's amazing. It was kind of like not dissimilar to the kind of work we do in terms of you have to write something in a day that didn't yeah. exist before. So, but it was kind of neat to exercise different writing muscles because I'm not a songwriter. So he is. So luckily he guided that process, but that's great. Singing is scary. <laughs> Let's talk more about Bang Bang, because it sounds super interesting. So briefly for listeners, if you can, just give a little bit of a synopsis of what the show is about. So it is uh, thematically about uh, cultural appropriation and uh, whose story, who's allowed to tell what story. Mm-hmm. Um, it is about uh, uh, a black female cop who has... Um, shot an unarmed youth at uh, a roadside stop. Uh, he went through a red light. Um, and this is all kind of backstory to the actual right. story. Um, and she, uh, the kid ends up surviving. She, she, but she goes into a massive depression. She doesn't leave her home and she loses her job and all of that. And she's living with her mother who's a psychologist. Anyway, that's the backstory. Uh, the other part of the backstory is, is this white male playwright uh, ha- read the headlines of this story and mm-hmm. has decided that he's going to write a play about it. Uh, the play ends up being a huge success, and he is uh, now on her doorstep two years after the event. Um, and in his play, he actually kills the unarmed youth. Uh, so, so yeah. she's considered, you know, like that she murdered him. Right. Um, and, uh, and many, many people actually believe that hype. Uh, it, it's on this particular day, he would, he, he hasn't reached out to her, but he has to reach out to her because, um, it's being made into a movie. And so, uh, she's going to get some unexpected visitors who are uh, very soon. So that's kind of the, in, the, the opening is, is that he arrives yeah. on her doorstep to kind of cushion the blow of what's about to unfold. Um, the, the most amazing thing about this play is that Kat Sandler is, uh, it, it's like cutting edge, socially relevant theater, but done with absolute wit and hilarity. Like she, because it's, I was going to say, it sounds intense, but it's also... Like yeah, I mean, if you if you just heard, oh, cultural appropriation and whose story is it to tell and systemic racism, you'd be like, oh, this is going to be, a, you know, a heavy. And in fact, the the brilliance of the script is, is that it's hilarious because mm-hmm. she's, she's, the way she sets it up and, you know, the mom and the daughter are like drive a lot of the, the you know, the, their viewpoint is obviously that they have the feet to stand on and he, he he's kind of scrambling to defend his right to tell whatever story he wants to tell. Um, but when Hollywood shows up in the play, it like all, everything goes sideways and, and it's it's quite, it, it's quite, it's a roller coaster ride. I, I say, you know, the word I, I keep using, which is like a bullet, because it's bang, bang. I say, it, the, like, the words are ricocheting off of each other. People are, people's arguments are bouncing all over the place, and they talk over each other constantly. They're, they're, and, you know, I, I feel like it's, it's such um, a brilliant unpacking of where we are right now, and, and questions of appropriation, like, whose mm-hmm. story is it to tell? He, as a, 
a white male playwright feels, you know, threatened in this world where he's he feels like he's getting edged out and he's trying his best. And, mm-hmm. you know, Cat Sandler calls him uh, a, a clueless ally because he really... Yeah, he, he wants to make a statement. He wants to make. He wants to have social impact and be kind of but, on the right side of the issue. But but he's yeah. clueless as to the fact that it wasn't his story to tell. And then he he um, misconstrued the story itself and 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 killed the, the young boy. And people now believe that she actually did it because people don't actually do the research and read the article. They read the headline. They hear they hear the play and. Don't we know it? <laughs> <laughs> the frenzy of social media. Um, yeah, it's really also interesting too how, um, yeah, definitely, certainly only reading the headline is something that we have to deal with a lot uh, to the point where one of our colleagues actually has in his email signature, reporters don't write headlines. <laughs> um, but also just the idea of when people see that kind of um, tag on a movie or something that's based on sort of the ripped from the headlines thing and they see that sort of based on a true story or inspired yeah. by true events suddenly what happens is people go oh then that is exactly what happened yeah absolutely and and, and the thing is the real issue I think that they take with it is is that most often you know he, he grabs onto the story because she's black and because the kid is black and mm-hmm. he even says you know a, a, a white male cop uh, shooting a black kid is is boring. You know, it's it happens all the time. So, but but it, it's uh, she, so he's exploiting her. Yeah, he's kind of a double exploitation of, of her uh, her story. Not yeah. only does he take it further than it actually was, but he he grabs onto a, a situation that is not really common and and exploits it for his for his gain. So why did you choose Bang Bang as sort of like your introduction to the Winnipeg Theatre? Bang Bang chose me. Um, This is Stephen Shipper's last uh, program season. So I've inherited uh, his, his 1920 is his season. Okay. um, Which is great. I mean, I arrived in June. Uh, There was no, absolutely no way to to program a whole season between june and now wild uh and uh and he thought that this was the the one for me uh certainly in terms of the kind of theater i I made in toronto you know super impactful socially relevant uh theater often you know very funny and and uh edgy um uh so he thought this was a, a good one for me and it's also great because it's it's the season opener in fact because uh our main stage uh opener the color purple mm-hmm. is opening in the citadel in uh, in edmonton first so in fact the very launch of the season is bang bang so and it's cool that it's a warehouse show it's great because uh, like, i love the, i mean i love it all but i i, I love warehouse yeah plays and I, and i sometimes um I feel like people not forget about them, but I sometimes I'm like, hey, like yeah. check this out more. Like, yeah, and know. I say that to all the all the audience members and the donors that I've met so far, people that are uh, holding subscriptions. Uh, you know, many of them don't hold a subscription to to the warehouse, and mm-hmm. I because it's me and because I'm the new AD and because this is my first conversation, artistic conversation with people. I'm like. I'll be seeing you at the warehouse. Like yeah. I, 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 I'm, you know, I look them deep in the eye and I say, you know, make the journey across the street. It's right across the street, and and it's the beginning of of my tenure here at yeah. at, at MTC. So, well, then I'm, I think you see the full um, breadth of what our MTC does, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I certainly, as uh, as the new kid in town, that's my desire is to like mm-hmm. have more crossover between those those two spaces, so that the main stage audience doesn't 
doesn't forget that that actually exists because there's yeah. some really great stuff that goes on there. Absolutely. And uh, and they should be they should be seeing that too. So you're pretty new. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you're new. Um, yeah, because it's I mean September about three and a half June, months. Three yeah. and a half months. So how has it? beans like it seems like you hit the ground running yes I absolutely hit the ground running in fact uh right around this time last year uh I was in my final interview um found out I got the job uh uh, right around this time like give or take a couple of days um and then I was announced in October beginning of October they made the big announcement and uh and I got an email uh account right away and uh, I wrote a Canada Council grant uh, <laughs> in October with with uh, Camilla, and uh, and then yeah, and, but the emails have been coming since since that announcement, um, and then certainly once I arrived in Winnipeg, we drove across the country. I arrived in Winnipeg at the, at the last week of May, you know, tried to unpack my house as best I could, and was at my desk on on June third, which was the wow. Monday, and yeah, it's been fast and furious. After the first day, I went home and I was like, oh, my God. I said to my husband, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> this is a lot. This is a very. And, and we just he said, just come for a walk. We walked our dog and I was like, OK, it's like it's a long distance run is what I keep saying. It's yeah. like, you, you know, it, it, it's a lot to take in. Yeah. But actually, I feel very um, I feel very on the ground now. I feel confident and calm and and I've got it. And it's great to be back in a rehearsal hall because that's another whole side of myself just as an artist uh being a director in there um but yeah like I feel I feel like it's all doable you know it's it's a much bigger company than Nightwood Theatre which I ran Mm. before but it's all relative in the end as long as you you know you know how to program well and balance the budget and and uh you know have a conversation with your audience which is really what what I'm doing so when I finish rehearsals once we open Bang Bang I'm just you know spending those last two months before I announce my season to the board of directors. And then I announce my 2021 season on January 31st, 2020. See, I think people don't recognize all the time how fast it is. Like I did a story um, last year, I guess it was kind of looking at the behind the scenes of mounting a Christmas Carol. And I mean, that was a show where they had a lot of the materials, but still like, it's like two weeks. It's like, what? I know. (laughs) I, I know. I know. Um, were you at all familiar with the Winnipeg theater scene before you moved here? Uh, you know, I, <clears throat> my ex-husband, who also moved here because we, uh, uh, we have a daughter who's 12, so she, he, she bounces between two houses. Um, he had acted a lot at, at Manitoba Theater okay. Center, so, um, so I had come to Winnipeg, uh, and I always thought it was a pretty cool town. Uh, but it wasn't really until I started considering, like when I applied for for the job, I had my first interview in June. <clears throat> then I started really, you know, getting to know the city and researching all the different cultural institutions. And I was blown away mm-hmm. by how culturally vibrant it is. And, you know, Royal MTC is also the home of the Winnipeg Fringe. We produce it. Um, and it's a great Fringe Festival. I had a great time this summer mm-hmm. attending it. But but all year round, like, the, the city is so... Um, it, it's got a real cultural identity that's come through these these institutions, large and small. Like the indie scene is also huge here for the for the size of the population. Mm-hmm, it's absolutely. it's actually super vibrant. Um, you know, because I'm coming from Toronto, where uh, 
there's a huge indie scene, but it it um, it also struggles because there's so much uh, noise and uh, distraction in other right. sectors that are pulling. You know, <clears throat> whether it's sports or whatever in Toronto, mm-hmm. it's a busy, busy city, and this city is a is is a quieter city. It's a and and so. <clears throat> the cultural identity and uh, coming off of these institutions and the engagement with the audiences is incredible. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually think it's because of the size of the city. It's like, it's 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 a very proud city. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people say, oh, it's not. People want to get out. The young people are like, oh, I got to get, yeah. I, I got to move away to get my, you know, to be successful. But I actually think there's a lot of people here that are like, no, this is the place. Yeah, that's changing a lot because people are realizing that they can afford to live here. Absolutely. And that's a big part of it. If you you can afford to buy a house at 25, 28 and live comfortably and and still and make art your full-time occupation. I know. Those opportunities do not exist in other parts of the country. And I think I think a lot of young artists think Toronto's this mecca. But the fact of the matter is, is that there's so many, so many actors there that you're, you're, you're fighting to be seen. Um, mm-hmm. So in fact, it, it's actually better to, and yeah, in terms of the economics, it's like yeah. way better to, I mean, to live here. I mean, we often talk about how it's better for us to be a big fish in a smaller pond. Like for me, I'm a music reporter. I would never get to interview the people that I get to interview if I had stayed when I was living in New York because there's just so much competition here. Like we're it. If someone's coming through and doing an interview, it's coming to me. That's exciting. So, you know, it's we're we're very pro big fish, small pond. Yeah, no, (laughs) I love it. Well, and it also, um, you know, further to what you were saying about artists and opportunities. So it's like you can go to a bigger center, but you may not necessarily work. Where, which was a big motivation yeah. for me to also stay in Winnipeg because I was like, well, I got work in journalism after I graduated. Yeah. And I've worked in print journalism for 15 years. No. And I, I don't know if that would be possible. No, I, 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 I'll tell you, it probably would yeah. be. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. that's the thing. Like, you know, I, yeah. I remember auditioning um, for the Penelope ad several years ago. I, I, I produced it at Nightwood. Um, I just finished reading that, actually. It's a great yeah. little play. Yeah. Well, you probably read the no- novella. I did read the novella. But um. I had a thousand resumes, a thousand applications. Whoa! To, just, just to, just to audition, and you know, from that you can't, I can't see a thousand people. So I, no. I think I selected two, hundred, which is still, it's a lot of people to see. But with a thousand resumes landing on your desk, you see how many people are trying to be seen, and mm-hmm. young grads coming out of schools thinking that they're going to make it, going to Toronto. It, it's. Uh, I think it's a bit of a fallacy. I mean, you know, yeah. you, you can make it, uh, but you got to fight your way up through through yeah. a lot of a lot of people trying to trying to be seen. Well, and I think that is um, something that I've noticed, kind of as emerging as a trend in the United States. All these cities that were kind of thought as flyover towns are becoming are, are attracting young people. Yeah. So whether you're you know Salt Lake City, you're yeah. Boise, you're you know Denver, like all these locations now that are suddenly having. Yeah. Scenes that are not dissimilar to Winnipeg's, but it's because people are leaving the coasts and are like, I want to be able to afford to live yeah, and to live. make my art and do my thing. And they're cool little hubs, exactly. you know, like Winnipeg is a really cool town. There's like very talented, can interesting you, people here. Can you here. tell everyone in Toronto that we're cool? <laughs> you know what? Almost every interview I have, I say I'm never going back to Toronto. Like yeah. people, you know, the people in Toronto when I, when I was leaving, they were like, well, you'll be back eventually. And I was like, 
like a lot of people are like, don't sell your house. You'll want it for when you move back. And I'm like, I'm never moving back. <laughs> I'm, I'm <out>. really happy. <laughs> also because I think Toronto has like in the last, you know, I, I ran Nightwood for 18 years. It, it has grown extensively in in that time period and now it's it's like a little bit over congested and it doesn't have an infrastructure to handle the amount of people that are living downtown tons of condos are going up Mm -hmm. and they don't have the subways or the roadways to handle it all Mm -hmm. um so yeah i'm i'm much happier here i remember camilla uh holland who's the executive director here at royal mtc she said she said uh it's like raise, it's the best place to raise a child and my daughter's 12 and it mm-hmm. is, it's a great place for her to grow up because it's like a, a big city, small town, Yeah, you know, and the airport for God's sakes. <laughs> 10 I, minutes away. No, I love the airport. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's such a, it's a stress-free airport. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. And it yeah. is, it's 10 minutes away. Yeah. Everything is 10 minutes away pretty much. <laughs> it's a great city. So you mentioned you're in your previous role for 18 years. Yeah. Um, how was it difficult to make the decision to leave and how did you feel kind of being the new kid again after being in your previous role? You know, it, this opportunity came at, at the right time in my, my life. You know, there was, there was several times, obviously over 18 years, you start to have a little quiet conversation with yourself that maybe I should be leaving soon. Renewal is good for organizations, but then, you know, there would be another opportunity at Nightwood. And so I would stay and, and you know, I, I built the company into a very successful company. You know, I grew it three threefold uh, over the time that I was there. Um, so yeah, the the opportunity kind of came out of the blue, and I was like, I I I didn't even actually really consider the idea of, because I was just living my life in Toronto, and I, as I said, I share a child with um, my ex husband, and. My husband's from Spain. We met walking the Camino Trail. And uh, yeah, and he's like, I love Canadian winter. And I was like, okay, well, I'm taking you to the, <laughs> Perfect. the heart of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I think I think my company in Toronto needed, needed it, it was ready for the next, the next chapter of leadership. And MTC uh, was also ready, you know, I think, I think, and I, I often say I was the Stephen Chipper of, of of Nightwood because yeah. <laughs> I stayed almost half the life of Nightwood because yeah. Nightwood's celebrating 40 years this year. Uh, MTC, uh, you know, Stephen stayed for 30 years. I mm-hmm. stayed for 18 uh, and, and MTC is 62 years old. So like that's a half, half the life of an organization. Mm-hmm. They're both, you know, we both pass them off into the next, the next leadership in very healthy financial uh, positions. Um, so yeah, it, it was just, it, it was kind of, like the fates aligned. I was in the right place at the right time. Somebody said, you should, you should really consider applying. And, uh, I just took a leap and here I am. Here you are in a beautiful, happy life (laughs) in in Winnipeg. Um, I wanted to ask just to kind of wrap up this uh, segment, but, um, kind of how you get it all done in the day and what an average day for you looks like, especially this time of year where it's just like, you know, uh, yeah, you know, a mom and you have other things going on and you're have a (sighs) house that you just moved into. And I know. Yeah. So how did, how do you, how do you get it all done? You might like my work life balance, you mean, or just how, well, uh, balance. Yeah. Balance. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm, I run as fast as I can. Um, I think, you know, once you two become parents, you'll realize that you're failing constantly <laughs> or you think <laughs> you actually think you're failing constantly. You try as hard as you can. 
Um, but especially as a, as a working mom, it's always been like this. My daughter, my daughter's, you know, both, she's grown up in the theater. Mm -hmm. Both parents are in the theater. She knows, uh, she knows what it's, what the game is. And she, I don't think she'd have it any other way, even though she wants my time sometimes that I can't give her. But for instance, this week I'm like, I'm supposed to fly to, to Vancouver midweek uh, to see the opening of A Thousand Splendid Suns at, at the Arts Club. Uh, and then I'm supposed to fly to Citadel on Sunday on my day off to see um, The Color Purple wow. at the Citadel. Plus, I'm supposed to direct the show. Plus, I have a couple of donor letters I need to, like little notes that I want to write to people that have given gifts uh, recently. Uh, plus, 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 you know. Plus, I have to be, I have to show up in the room, in the, in the hall every day and be, beyond my game mm -hmm. um but you know like it's big picture uh and then you know it's it's the pull the camera back and go then in for the tight shot like really when I'm in the tight shot I got to be in the minutia I got to be present in every moment uh whether that's in my personal life um or or here at MTC making sure that the organization is you know on any given day there's always something to be uh, there's a new email that makes everyone go oh <laughs> um but yeah I'm, I'm super excited for this season and and I'm really looking forward to getting bang bang on his feet and then I can you know focus in on the future which is me planning the next season um but yeah work-life balance I had a big conversation with my daughter yesterday we had a family meeting uh so my husband myself Chloe and uh and and her dad uh, just about electronics because she just got a cell phone because she's 12. That's a big, big moment. She got a cell phone. She has a computer for school. And, and so it's like, okay, let's talk about this. Let's put some limits on this because it was a bit of a free-for-all for the first week and a half. And, and now it's like she's like all of us trapped in, in the machine. And, and she needs structure that I don't think kids can give themselves necessarily to, 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 to not – gets trapped down Absolutely. in that rabbit hole. I think adults can barely give themselves no. that structure, and she, I mean, right? that's her argument. She's like, well, you're on it all the time. I'm like, <laughs> I'm working, it's work. And, and, but, even, but she has a point. Like, yeah. we all have to put it down. Yeah. You know, there has to be some kind of recharging of the brain where, you know what, the email has to wait. We, can't, we cannot live in 24-7. Um, so uh, it was a great it was a great meeting and it was a fantastic morning because she was she was she had her system for the first time and she was motivated to get everything done so that she could have her 10 minutes before she went off to school to you know awesome. text or <laughs> watch a youtuber for <laughs> anyway yeah so it's i think we're all we're all every day we show up and try <laughs> that's the bottom line going to end today with reading watching listening kelly okay so, so it's interesting because uh, what i you know what we were talking about in terms of um work-life balance or, or just like what's a typical day um i uh i was actually given um uh this book by ari Cohn, who is the Ooh. artistic director of the winnipeg jewish theater um, and he gave it to me in the summer. I, I picked it up. I read two chapters. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then I put it down because I had to read all these scripts and <laughs> yeah. I was just like running as fast as I can to do 
as much script reading as I could. So actually, just recently, I picked it back up. It's uh, Nicholas Heitner's uh, The Balancing Act. He was the artistic director of The National uh, in the UK. And, um, uh, you know, he just, he, he speaks of the journey of trying to balance uh, how many different departments are pulling you in, in any direction. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're, you're in charge of the artistic, but you're also... You have to be stewarding the donors and the and and talking to your audience and uh, so and then dealing with marketing and you know oh, and then some we lost an actor so we have to do a, a casting change. Uh, it, it's a very insightful book uh, that really speaks my language in terms of running a, running a giant organization and keeping all the balls in the air without dropping any while you're juggling. Um, and it's great for me to be reading right now because I'm right at you know I'm just past 100 days and uh the the horizon is out there and i'm I'm going to you know sail out onto it (laughs) um but to yeah to 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 learn from someone that that was super successful Mm -hmm. uh in what he did um and and to bring you know bring that balancing act to my to to remember that it's a balancing act to Mm -hmm. remember that but to keep to keep to not drop anything because it's super important that, you know, you, you do have, you know, everything, everything you do, all the relationships you have, have to, have to be maintained. Otherwise, if you're not looking, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's a really interesting, um, uh, the I Ching. I don't know if you know what the I Ching is. It's a Chinese coin toss. I know what it is. And the only reason I know what it is is from uh, Sheila Hetty's book, Motherhood. Yeah. So so the I Ching, anyways, it's a Chinese coin toss. Uh, I think emperors used it to to decide how, you know, big leadership conundrums and challenges. Um, and basically, uh, it gives you kind of a reading. You toss coins, it creates a hexagram, and then it, 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 it gives you a reading. And uh, one of the ones that has always stuck with me is um, uh, lead from the center, uh, it, so uh, it says, like in the West, leaders lead from the front; in the East, leaders lead from the center. Now, this is you know, an ancient thing. Mm-hmm. Times have changed, uh, but um, lead from the center, and all shall be well. And it, th- for me, that's it's just stuck with me in terms of kind of my like my value system in terms of how how to lead. Uh, I'm not a very hierarchical leader. And and from the center, you can see everyone. From the front, mm-hmm. you don't know what they're, what's what's going on behind you. And you're often not aware of the struggles that are going on behind you. For sure. And you, mutiny can happen if you're not if you're not looking back. So mm-hmm. standing in the center, making sure, you know, I also kind of equate it to this, a wheel, like that, that every spoke out uh, goes to one person. And, you know, the whole thing goes around. If you if you've got broken spokes, the the wheel doesn't turn well. Right. So, so that's what I what I am constantly kind of trying to, you know, uphold is is how to how to remain aware of everything that's going on yeah. while whilst also, you know, holding <laughs> holding the responsibilities that I have. Yeah, um, Jen, do you want me to go next? Sure. Okay. I f- I always feel like I bring down the sort of cultural level and intelligence level when I do mine, but I'm going to just go for it. (laughs) Um, I've been listening a lot to Post Malone's new record. Regular listeners of the pod know that I, I have an irrational love of Post Malone. It's called Hollywood's Bleeding. 
it's just such a it's so good it's so good and it's it's kind of like moving more into this weird americana vibe with like acoustic guitars i mean there's still rap and hip-hop and stuff but i get like a definite sort of like eagles vibe which is kind of weird i was also intrigued by the uh, duet that he did with Ozzy Osbourne on this record which I didn't hate honestly like I it's it's a it's a direction that I am enjoying yeah no I'm very very (laughs) into it and for even despite his face tattoos and his general grossness I still like find him very adorable which is a little alarming to me (laughs) I'm just I'm just gonna accept it and I'm gonna go with it and then I'm gonna do watching as well because we were talking last week about like 1990s Canadian television and all these shows we used to watch when we were kids. Oh, yeah. And then I became aware that Ready or Not, do you remember that series ever? Ready or Not. No. It was it was like <laughs> a very much like a teen drama. There's five seasons and all of them are on YouTube. So I spent this weekend watching episode after episode of Ready or Not. And man, they cover ground. Like, wow. Like, Busy got her period in her white band uniform, and her oh. dad went to buy her pads because her mom wasn't home and her dad had to go, and it was this whole thing. There's interracial relationships. There was a miscarriage. There was, they talk about God a lot more than I remember, but not in like a way that was like preachy, but in a way that's like questiony. It, it's very wow. ahead of its time. Okay, I'm gonna, I will. It's, it's, all, it's on YouTube. It's called and, Ready or Not. Okay, and it's a teen show, right? Yeah, yeah. So the, the main characters in the first couple seasons, I think, are about 12, 13. Okay, I'm going to send my daughter that, in it's that direction. amazing. And yeah, and then when they finish, I think they're graduating high school or something like that. But yeah. That's so it's, great. It's focused on these two girls and their friendship. And one of them comes from like a very large Italian family. And the other one, her spoiler alert, her parents end up getting divorced. So it's like this whole thing. And yeah. I remember watching, it was on at lunchtime and I used to come home for lunch when uh-huh. I was in elementary school and then I would watch Ready or Not and then I would be late for school every day in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> See, we'd have to have a family meeting and I would, uh, exactly. I would like, structure you your day yeah, for you. You need some, you need some stress. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do reading. I am reading uh, Let's Go So We Can Get Back, which is Jeff Tweedy of Wilco's memoir. Big Wilco fan. Um, yeah. One of our the friend, actually, who I did the podcast with, Andy, he performed Jesus, etc., the Wilco song at my wedding um, as our first dance and my anniversaries this week. So it's just like whole Wilco time. But the funny, like Jeff Tweedy is just a very funny writer. Yeah. Um, but the funniest anecdote from this book, he, I, th- I believe it was Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run. He had on cassette tape and he wrote his name like, or like, yeah, it was like, maybe born in the USA or so it was like the single that he just taped and he wrote his name like by Jeff Tweedy on this cassette tape and he was telling all his friends in grade three that he had like wrote played all the instruments <laughs> on recorded the, and and they're like well like I don't think so like I'm pretty sure I heard this on the radio and he's like yep it's pretty popular it's like clearly <laughs> like so a man funny. singing and they're like well like really like you did it he's like yeah he's like I don't know what to tell you <laughs> <laughs> I was like, see, that's the kind of moxie I would like to bring to, you know, my day to day. That's great. Laugh. Um, thank you so much for being on the show with us today, Kelly. Yeah, thank uh, you. Bang Bang opens October 3rd mm-hmm. at the warehouse here in Winnipeg. It does. Um, Previews October 2nd. Previews October 2nd. Um, you can find everything that Aaron and I are working on at winnipegfreepress.com. You can also follow us on social media. I'm at Jens Ratty on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Naya Rabble on Twitter and Instagram, and we will see you next week.